0: You're going to love this. Just love it. I bet you say that to all the boys.
1: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I never do. I got the feeling that something right.
0: It never is. I'm
1: so scared I'll fall off my chair I never am scared And I wonder i get down the stairs I'll just fall Clowns to the left Yeah, you do that me. Jokers to the right Here I am stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in the middle
0: with you From Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles, this is your Bradcast, as heard on 90.7 FM in L.A. FM KYAQ on the Oregon Central Coast. 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And other fine affiliates on terrestrial airwaves in parts unknown. Also coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org. On iTunes, streaming on the Progressive Voices channel. On Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, and Radio Sputnik. Five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, an all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com says me if not. The Kentucky Democratic Party this week for some odd reason I don't get it I don't know why don't they like me What did I What did I do to them
1: Why What happened I don't
0: know I'm just trying to help uh, We'll get to that in a minute And uh, oh and that's uh, Hey Desi Doyen is hey. our producer Desi Doyen <laughs> You will of course be joining us uh, a little bit later for our latest Green News Report um, With as ever some big news You know it, w- we are like the only ones I think that I know of who actually cover environmental news constantly consistently on the radio stories that are breaking stories that matter in regard to climate change. You know, unless it's a science show, unless it's one of those ghettoized stick them on the weekends, uh, you know, uh, of NPR, yawner programs. uh, We cover uh, green news all the time because it's always important.
1: Yes, it's it's about everything. (laughs) So there you go.
0: It is. It, and it should be right at the center of our politics. In any in any event, um, the, because it's when people don't cover it, it allows people like uh, uh, Charles Koch to go on to MSNBC. Yes, Charles Koch of the Koch brothers, and claim that the Koch brothers are environmentally responsible. They take care of the environment, and it allows uh, MSNBC to not say anything in response, to not point out their years.
1: They're egregious, egregious environmental yeah. violations, yeah. and you know, and just just basic law breaking.
0: Well, so we'll talk about that in some of the uh, uh, six ghettoized minutes of the Green News Report that we'll run for <laughs> you later on. Uh, as well, uh, there is now new legislation introduced in the U.S. Senate to stop all fossil fuel extraction on public federal lands more bad news for Volkswagen, and, oh, fun with TransCanada and the Keystone XL Pipeline.
1: Yes, it's just a party for everybody. I
0: I knew this was coming. All right, we'll get to all of that uh, in a little bit. Also, uh, speaking of science, we will be joined uh, by David Roberts of Vox.com shortly. Concerning what he—you know, we were just coming out of these—it was a week or two ago— these Benghazi hearings and this embarrassing, ridiculous Benghazi Select Committee that the Republicans in the U.S. House are running, or at least were running. Haven't heard much from them lately. Not since Hillary showed up, testified for about 11 hours, uh, kind of cleaned their clock, and, uh, well, Republicans are really embarrassed about it by Took now, it Took the air seems. out of their time. Just a bit. But David Roberts argues that the Benghazi Select Committee is not the worst Republican-led committee in the U.S. House. There is, as Yoda might say, there is another, and we will be talking about that other, that other committee, that other uh, horrible, horrible committee in the U.S. House uh, coming up shortly with David Roberts. Uh, we spent the bulk of yesterday's program talking about uh, what went on in uh, on Election Day in Kentucky. And uh, specifically the case of uh, Jack Conway, the Democratic Attorney General who was running to replace the very popular Democratic uh, two-term Democratic uh, governor in, in, uh, in Kentucky, Steve Bashir. Uh, he was Jack Conway was leading in all of the pre-election polls by anywhere from three to five points. Uh, and then, for some reason, he ended up losing on election day, if you believe the results reported by the completely one hundred percent unverified computers that tallied the uh, mostly paper ballots in the uh, in Kentucky, the Bluegrass state. I think it's the Bluegrass state, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you believe those results, uh, not only. Did the uh, Republican Tea Party candidate, who was not a very good candidate, not only did he win, uh, beat Jack Conway despite the pre-election polls, he destroyed Jack Conway by some nine points. Uh, That's like a 13 or 15 point swing in the polls, depending on how you look at it, from the pre-election polls right up to Election Day to what happened after Election Day. And of course the argument that we made yesterday was well those poll those uh, election results could be perfectly accurate they could be exactly on the money never mind that the same uh, computers that uh, optical scan computers that that scan the paper ballots have failed all over the country in election after election uh, are easily gamed easily hacked uh, often you know count ballots incorrectly Uh, never mind that. They could be, in this case, absolutely right. But the fact is, nobody in Kentucky, nobody in the country has any idea if they are right or wrong because they don't bother to hand count those paper ballots to find out, which I think is crazy, especially when you have such a swing from the pre-election polls to the results as announced by the computers uh, on Election Day. And unverified by any human being. Adding to that, uh, Caroli Coons from from Crooks and Liars was on with us yesterday pointing out that the Democrats who won, who won in the down ballot races, for example, the secretary of state, the attorney general, uh, the attorney general race, which was actually uh, the son of the very popular current Democratic governor. They both won. Not only did they win, but they won and received tens of thousands of more votes than the Democrat at the top of the ticket, than Jack Conway, and that's something that, well, that could happen if uh, Jack Conway was involved in a scandal or he had said something stupid right before the election. None of that happened. So how do we explain these results? I, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know if they actually are the results because nobody actually bothered to verify them, as we spent quite a bit of time yesterday discussing. Well, I've been trying to get some comment uh, from some folks in Kentucky, from some of the Democrats there. I, uh, I have not yet gotten a call back from Jack Conway's campaign. I, I put in that call yesterday, you know, to find out if they are concerned about the reported results not matching up with the pre-election polls. Um, I can't get a lot of comment. I called the Kentucky Democratic Party today. The person who answered the phone uh, said that uh, nobody there was nobody there to comment we're all gone until Monday she told me really nobody we call us on Monday and I said to whoever this person was well are you concerned by the way is there any concern there at the party about the polls about the the, the results and and you know that they don't seem to match with the pre-election polls and the the down ballot races got a lot more votes for Democrats which really is is as bev Harris from, Black box voting told us a significant anomaly that raises a red flag. She told me not a yellow flag, a red flag. OK. Uh, and I said, are you concerned about the accuracy of the results? This person I talked to, at the Kentucky Democratic Party who answered the phone said, oh, they're accurate. It happened. It's what you saw. Democrats lost. They only won two races. I said, well, OK, how do you know that? Did, are you concerned that nobody has actually counted any of those ballots? She said to me, well, you know what, let me give you the phone to uh, Charlotte here. And she passed the phone to Charlotte. Uh, and then I asked the same question of Charlotte, who said, I'm going to give you the number of the communications director, which is David Bergstein. So I got the uh, communications director. I was able to call him, got him on the phone. He answered the phone. That's great. I said, do you have any plans to verify the results in any way? Do you have any concerns about them? He seemed to have no idea what I was talking about. He said, I'll point you to the statement on the, uh, the party's website. I said, is this the statement that was released on election night? He said, yes, that's the one. And that statement is it's two paragraphs says tonight's results are disappointing, but Jack Conway ran a strong and passionate campaign dedicated to moving Kentucky forward. Jack Conway has uh, achieved a tremendous record of accomplishment as our Attorney General, improving the lives of thousands of Kentuckians in every corner of Commonwealth of the our Commonwealth. I'm confident he will continue serving as a strong voice fighting for Kentucky's families and our values if Matt Bevan decides to act on the dangerous proposals he has outlined during his campaign, that hurt our hardworking families. Kentucky Democrats will continue to oppose him using every tool we have at every turn. Well, but they won't use every tool they have uh, you know, to find out if Matt Bevin, the Republican, actually won or not. That, to me, seems crazy. But that's where Democrats are. They just don't seem, they have never understood, it seems, uh, how these systems work, how these electoral systems work, until they get screwed by them. But even in this case, where they may have gotten screwed by them, They don't seem to care. According to Roll Call, if you ask Democrats in Washington the blame for the Kentucky uh, Attorney General Jack Conway's stunning loss Tuesday night. uh, This is uh, according to Roll Call, falls on the unpopularity of political insiders during a year in which Donald Trump and Ben Carson are leading Republican primary polls. Elizabeth Pearson, the executive director for the Democratic Governors Association, said about Jack Conway, Unfortunately, he ran into unexpected headwinds of Trump mania, losing to an outsider candidate in the year of the outsider. Now, where does she get that information? No idea. No evidence whatsoever. Now, the Democratic Governors Association spent some five million dollars in Jack Conway's favor. And then they put out a statement saying, well, it was Trump. Incredibly, uh, Trump was delighted about it. He said, I love what happened in Kentucky. He's a good guy. They gave me a lot of credit for that one. He said, I don't deserve the credit, but there that, uh, there is something happening, folks. So not only... Did the Democrats, uh, in this case, Democratic Governors, Governors Association, do nothing uh, to question the results? And never mind questioning. Do, they've done nothing to verify the results. Um, but they actually uh, made a campaign commercial for Donald Trump in the bargain. It's amazing to me. I mean, it's just, you know, do they, do they want to lose? Maybe so. And then you look at uh, well the pundits. The pundits they all I mentioned this with Carol yesterday. They all liked to with Carol Lee. Did I say Caroli? I meant Carol Lee yesterday on the show. Um, the pundits always like to reverse engineer what happened in the polls. They uh, you know when they get results on election day that are totally unverified, they completely believe them. Never mind that I think there was four or five or six pre-election polls by independent analysts, big ones, good ones, important ones, with you know transparent methodology, completely independently, coming up with the same result that Jack Conway was, was going to win by about five points. Um, never mind that. Uh, the polls come in—I'm sorry, the results come in totally unverified by computers that fail, by computers that can be hacked— And the pundits go out and say, well, those uh, results, obviously, those are correct. And here's why. And then they go and they reverse engineer uh, reasons for it. Now, uh, writing over again at Roll Call, Nathan Gonzalez says of the six public polls since the end of September, five of them showed Conway in the lead. With margins between two and five points, including a survey from Bevin's own campaign in the middle of October. He's the Republican. A sixth poll, an automated survey by the Republican firm Vox Populi near the end of the month showed Conway and Bevin tied. That was the last public poll in the race. Private polls did not hint at the nine point margin either. In the face of a clear, albeit narrow, trend line toward Conway, uh, we moved, talking about uh, uh, roll call, moved uh, the race from a pure toss-up to a tilts Democratic in the middle of the month. But we also wrote that Bevan would need the vast majority of undecideds in those polls to swing in his direction in spite of his negative image. And Bevin had a very negative image. Gonzalez goes on to write, that looks like Almost exactly what happened that the undecideds all went for Bevan. How does Gonzalez know that? He doesn't. He doesn't. He's just reverse engineering. There were no exit polls done in Kentucky. Some uh, people had asked about that. There were none done. So he, he they're just making up the reasons why this happened. Um, Clearly they weren't undecided, said one Kentucky Democratic strategist. They had made up their minds they weren't j- they just weren't telling pollsters. That's what he comes up with. Uh, so let's see. One GOP strategist thought that Dale Curtis, he was the independent running in the race, that he would need to be at uh, 2 or 3% or less in order for the Republican to win narrowly. Curtis, however, received nearly four points, and Bevan still won by nearly nine points. Again, a landslide. And uh, Bevan is the second Republican to win a, go- a governor's race in Kentucky in 40 years. As Daniel Donner of Daily Coast Elections pointed out, Conway's 44 percent is the worst showing by a Democratic governor in Kentucky since 1863. Yes, when Abraham Lincoln was president and then Gonzalez goes on to say he won, Bevan won despite being a flawed candidate, despite the fact that uh, the Democrats outspent the Republican. Conway outspent Bevan 6.6 million to 1.7 million on television. Yet Bevan still won. 6.6 6 million spent by the Democrats, not even 2 by the Republicans, and the Republicans still won. As a matter of fact, the Republicans had pulled their funding from Bevan Uh, in midsummer because he was such a terrible candidate and said so many stupid things. And then the Democrats now say, oh, well, it must be the unexpected headwinds of Trump mania. It's just amazing. They just reverse engineer. Here's an idea. Count the ballots. That's all I'm saying. Count the ballots. Maybe they're right. Find out. I think the electorate deserves that much. Oh, uh, you'll hear people say turnout was, uh, it was so low, and that's why Democrats lose when they don't. Well, the turnout was lower in 2011 when the Democrats won. Uh, it was This was actually higher, the turnout, than uh, one of the uh, Democratic strategists had predicted. They thought it would be close to 800,000. It was actually 982,000, almost a million. So if you're looking for places to make public records requests and figure out what's going on, Uh, We gave you a couple of hints last night that uh, Roll Call also seems to note. Uh, Jack Conway, the Democrat, underperformed in two key urban areas, according to the reported results. He won in Fayette County, that's Lexington, by 15 points. But the Democratic Secretary of State on the same ballot, she won it by 23 points. Did they shave some votes off, uh, off in Fayette County from Jack Conway? Be nice to find out. Public records request, please. Jack Conway also won in Jefferson County by 19 points. That's where Louisville is. But, again, the Secretary of State, Democratic, uh, Allison Lundergan-Grimes, she won Jefferson County by 26 points. Uh, Great way to steal elections, by the way, is to steal them uh, in areas where you don't think to look. You think they're going to you know, boost the uh, uh, results in a Republican area? No, just decrease them in a Democratic area. Just saying. All right, I'm running late. I got to get out. Food for thought. We'll continue to follow it uh, here on the broadcast. Quick break, and we're back with David Roberts. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. <laughs> Don't tell Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives, though. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from
2: bradblog.com.
0: A quick break from uh, from electoral politics to, uh, you know, from, from dumb Democrats in electoral politics to dumb Republicans in uh, U.S. House of Representatives politics, I guess. <laughs> Man. All right. A week or so ago, the uh, the Republicans' Benghazi Select Committee hearings in the U.S. House came crashing down as Hillary Clinton stood up to some 11 hours of withering questioning uh, in open testimony before the GOP-led uh, special committee. This was the eighth one to look into the imaginary Benghazi scandal, and like those before it, it failed to find any criminal wrongdoing actually any wrongdoing at all really so with that dead end uh the gop immediately uh, began or continued looking for something anything anything that they could try to use to to tar democrats and the obama administration with in in the u.s house because you know that's what they do somehow something anything there's got to be a real scandal somewhere uh, and now, by the way, I'm sure there is, but Republicans have yet to find anything close, at least anything that they are actually willing to take action on. I mean, there's plenty if you wanted to actually go up against this administration, but but they don't. Uh, they just want to uh, politically posture and so forth uh, if it helps them in an election. That's all it is. In any event, just a day or so after the Benghazi committee disaster Uh, The U.S. House Oversight Committee thought they had something. With uh, the Department of Justice coming out just a day or so before, as we told you they would long ago, finding no criminal wrongdoing in another pretend Republican scandal, the IRS scandal from a few years back. Uh, With that one looking pretty uh, uh, dim, Jason Chaffetz, congressman uh, who now heads the— The House Oversight Committee decided it was time to bring impeachment proceedings. Yes, impeachment proceedings. But not against the President of the United States, not against Hillary Clinton. This one, this target, would be the head of the IRS, John Koskinen, or John Koskinen. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. He is that insignificant. Now, never mind that he had nothing to do with the pretend scandal that the GOP believes occurred uh, in the IRS, where they believe that Obama and his cronies were targeting conservative organizations for political reasons uh, when they were applying for nonprofit status. Never mind that. The GOP needed someone, anyone, somebody to fulfill their impeachment fever dreams, and John Koskinen or John Koskinen. I don't know. The chair of the IRS, who was appointed after the so-called IRS scandal, by the way, as I recall, he he would do the trick. But that move, that move apparently is so transparent that even Fox News's favorite ghoulish wingnut pundit, Charles Krauthammer, came out that night to say that the idea is ridiculous and won't work out well for the Republicans.
2: Look, this is not going to end well. Republicans have demonstrated, if they ever demonstrated anything, Republicans in the Congress have shown that they have no ability to conduct successful investigations of this administration. Everything they have touched has failed or backfired.
0: Now, if you can't even get Charles Krauthammer, Fox News, to go along with your pretend scandals, you are really lost. But, but, hope, hope is not lost. Quietly... Uh, With little fanfare, at least, the U.S. House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology has been moving ahead with actually a number of outrageous investigations of publicly funded scientists. Writing at Vox.com recently, David Roberts uh, wrote an article headlined, The House Science Committee is worse, worse than, than the Benghazi Committee. Worse than Benghazi? Really? David Roberts is a longtime writer at Grist.org. He's now at Fox.com, where he focuses on politics, climate, and energy. He has contributed to or been featured in the New York Times, Boston Globe, Huffington Post, Outside Magazine, Wired, and everywhere else. And, of course, most famously here on the broadcast. He returns uh, today to the broadcast to discuss how the science committee is worse than the Benghazi committee. David Roberts, welcome back, sir. Hey Brad, glad to have you here. All right, uh, all right. I'll I'll bite and and you break this down for us very nicely, so we can go through each of these uh, each of these pieces of your argument why this committee, the Science Committee, is now worse than this special select committee on Benghazi. Uh, but one of the points you make is that uh, of these uh, sort of three sections is that right now the ranking member of the science committee, uh, Lamar, Congressman Lamar Smith, uh, is issuing subpoenas left and right without consulting the Democratic ranking member of that committee. Is that a new thing? Are, are Have Republicans given themselves permission to do that? Because I don't remember that happening in the past.
2: Yeah, it didn't get a lot of press, but it happened in January. I mean, some uh, committee chairs like uh, Daryl, Issa, for instance, Issa, Issa? Issa, Issa, Koskinen, you know, Koskinen. Who knows? Yeah, I know. We really should have studied up before this. <laughs> um, you, you know, some like uh, uh, Issa has had this power to sort of unilaterally issue subpoenas as part of the oversight committee for a long time, and we've seen what he's done with it. You know, the the fast and furious investigation and the IRS investigation, all those basic farces. Acorn, what is
0: Acorn. It? Don't forget Acorn.
2: Yeah. Oh yes, Acorn. What happened in January is the House GOP leadership voted to give those same powers to the chairs of several other committees, including the House Science Committee. So whereas before, um, you know, a a committee chair could not issue a subpoena, which is is theoretically supposed to be a pretty big deal, could not issue a subpoena without the, the ranking member signing off on it. And this was meant to prevent you know, investigations from being used as purely partisan tools. Mm-hmm. But, of course, House GOP leadership very much wanted to use investigations as purely partisan tools, so they, so they changed that rule. And since then, January, since January, or actually, no, I should say, in, in the two years he's, almost two years, he's run the science committee. Lamar Smith has issued more subpoenas, than all previous chairs of the committee going back some 50-some years, cumulatively, yep. ever issued. Yeah. So yeah, his, he, he's, he's newly empowered, and he's going nuts with it. That,
0: that was uh, uh, Congress, Congresswoman Eddie. Is it Eddie or Edie? We ought to check these things first.
2: Eddie, uh, Ber- do know. Uh, uh,
0: is it Eddie? Do you know? Eddie Bernice Johnson is her name. We'll just call her Congress, Congresswoman Johnson. Uh, she's ranking member of the Science Committee. Yes, yeah, she had uh, written a scathing letter that you highlighted uh, to Lamar Smith, uh, citing that in, yeah, in just two years and ten months. He has presided as chair of the Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. He's issued uh, uh, six subpoenas, and that is more than the prior 54-year history of the committee. Now, generally, when Congress wants something, when Congress wants testimony or documents, they can ask uh, the person or the organization to submit the documents, and if they then refuse, then you get into the subpoena process. But it seems like Lamar Smith is just almost uh, willy-nilly just going out and, and, and making these uh, subpoena requests of these scientists and these scientific organizations.
2: Well, that's a good point that Johnson made, which is that it's not like the House Science Committee has never investigated matters of importance. Mm-hmm. It's just that generally, when a when an investigative committee mm-hmm. in the House of Representatives contacts you and wants you to testify or turn over documents, you do like most people cooperate. Sure, they've they've investigated some extremely sensitive and important subjects without ever having the need to issue subpoenas. So this is it's not like he's doing more intensive investigations. It's just that he's using these subpoenas as a tool. Of harassment. So a great example to look at is this is this most recent uh, adventure he's on. So the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, which we can call NOAA from now on, hopefully. Yes, we can. Uh, the guys at NOAA, you know, just did a new study, and it looked at temperature data, and and it looked at the adjustments that are made to temperature data to make it all uh, uh, uniform and to make it tractable. And these are adjustments that are utterly routine in any large data set. You know, you have this Mm -hmm. large sort of diverse data set of different kinds of temperature measurements from different places, and you have to adjust them to make them all fit into the same spreadsheet so you can look at the trends among them. Anyway, this has been going on at NOAA forever and in climate science forever. But what's happened is (laughs) the NOAA guys just came out with a study saying that when... The, the surface temperature data is is adjusted correctly. The so-called global warming pause, the sort of hiatus in global warming mm-hmm. that has been the uh, decor of the of climate skeptics in these last few years, mm-hmm. kind of disappears. If you adjust the data properly, it turns out there was no pause. So, this pause is extremely beloved of of the, science, of the climate skeptic community. Which, we should pause here and note, includes the chair of the House Science Committee, does not buy mainstream climate science, so, including so, most of the Republicans on the Science Committee, so does not buy the science of climate change.
0: Well, l- l- so, l- let, me, let me just cl- clarify, uh, David Roberts. The, so this is about, and this is a paper, this is the one by Thomas Carl, right? Uh, yeah, yeah with the most boring title ever, possible artifacts yeah. of data biases in the recent global surface warming hiatus. So basically, yeah. uh, NOAA went out and said, okay, well, some of these thermometers, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're tracking the temperatures at night. Others are doing them at the uh, during the day. Let's normalize everything so everything makes sense so we can accurately track what's going on. And when they do that, they find that, oh, there is no pause, that the Earth continues to warm Uh, even though the uh, deniers, like Lamar Smith, who heads the science committee, he's a climate science denier, uh, he says, oh no, it hasn't been warming for the past 10 years. They still think that, right?
2: Well, this is, I mean, there's two perspectives to look at this. From a scientific perspective, from the perspective of climate science, the pause was always nonsense. Like any 10- or 15-year period, in, in, in a multi-hundred-year mm-hmm. period of warming, is just statistical noise, right. you know? So, so scientifically, the pause was always BS, and this data adjustment that they're doing with this paper in a normal environment would be utterly boring and unnotable uh, science, mm-hmm. just normal working science. The problem is that from a political perspective, the pause was very... Valuable to to these Republicans, and and so and, and and but here's what happened, and here's the key part of this story, which I think is really uh, goes to show what's going on, mm-hmm. is that these data adjustments that scientists do to make their uh, uh, data uh, uniform and tractable and workable have always been an object of great suspicion among the climate skeptic blogger right. community. Always these dark conspiracy theories floating around the 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 skepticosphere uh, about how NOAA is deliberately massaging the data to make it look like there's warming, right. <clears throat> and it and it's no it's no coincidence that this that this new paper came out and then the, the you know uh, this this climate skeptic blog comes out with these new accusations of data manipulation and then Lamar Smith makes the exact same accusations towards the NOAA scientists. That You know, what you see when you look into this is that the, 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 the right-wing bloggers and the right-wing media and the right-wing operators mm-hmm. are now all of a piece with the right-wing science committee. They're all on the same team working the same basic effort, which is to discredit NOAA. So now Smith is making these accusations, which, again, like... Our politics are so crazy these days that it's hard to register anything as particularly extreme or outrageous, because there's just a flood of extreme, outrageous stuff happening all the time. But honestly, like the head of a science committee accusing the head of a government scientific research body of deliberately falsifying data in order to support a political (laughs) effort... To, to pass climate policy is really a serious accusation. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just be something that, like, you know, it shouldn't just be part of the daily noise of politics. That's a serious deal. And so Smith wrote the NOAA people repeatedly saying, you know, we have these suspicions about your data. We want to see all the data and the methodology.
0: Fair enough. And by the way, if there is a concern, legitimate or otherwise, if there's a concern, it's fair enough for him to reach out as, as head of that committee and say, What happened here? Let, show us uh, the papers. Explain why these numbers uh, changed sure. uh, and this adjustment happened.
2: Sure. And the NOAA people wrote him back and helpfully pointed out uh, 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 Dear sir, all our data and methodology is already public, it's on a website here's the url you are welcome to go look at it as closely as you want to you're welcome to rerun the numbers like we could not be Mm -hmm. the whole thing could not be more transparent noaa puts all its data and all its methodology on its website so that there's nothing you know so so what happened was the house science committee wrote the NOAA guys three separate times Mm -hmm. demanding this data and the NOAA guys and and the NOAA people and and the House Democrats on the committee kept responding, saying, "The, the it, it, it's public. You don't. <laughs> there's nothing to turn over. It's on the damn website." And so, Smith finally, having gotten all the data and methodology involved in the study, decided that that wasn't enough. What he wants is the internal communications among NOAA scientists, all of them. Going back several years, that might have anything to do with temperature measurement, which of course is an enormous, an enormous amount of science, an enormous amount of of, uh, of Noah's work, and he give, so he gives Noah two weeks to round up all relevant internal communications relating to temperature science, to temperature measurement that he, want, he wants it turned over in two weeks. And so NOAA responds, and, 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 and uh, you know, Representative Johnson responded in her letter uh-huh. saying, the data and methodology are public. What conceivable need is there for you to see the confidential communications among NOAA scientists? You know, there, this, what need is there for this? There and was, Lamar Smith, let's, yeah. let's be clear, has not articulated a need in all this. It's been going on for weeks, months. At no point has he said, "Here's why I need to see it." There's no justification. He's just at this point, literally just hounding Noah, and, and now th- Noah's pushing back.
0: And and I, uh, t- they were given two weeks to uh, comply. I'm looking at the subpoena here: uh, all documents and communications. Uh, related to NOAA's measurement of our climate going back nearly seven years of internal deliberations and communications among scientists at NOAA. So we're talking about all of their email back and forth, uh, all of their notes, all of that stuff going back two weeks to give seven years of material for a scandal, a concern, a problem that they have not even yet been able to identify What is the problem, the scandal, or the concern?
2: And and let's be real. Everybody knows why they want it. They can't articulate a public purpose for it because there's no purpose that they want to share with the public, but everybody knows why they want it. They want to do the same thing. Uh, I mean, do you remember ClimateGate, that silly scandal about climate scientists from a few years ago? They want to do the same thing that got that whole scandal started, which is sift through these emails, look for Bits and pieces that if you yank them out of context, look suspicious and selectively leak those emails to reporters who, history shows, will credulously eat it up and and publish stories saying, you know, scientist says he's going to massage the data, you know, and then if you look into it enough, you're like, oh, in context, this is just normal science. And and not just... But if you...
0: And not, yeah, not just right, not just right-wing uh, media. You would expect that from Fox News, Daily Caller, and so forth. But the mainstream media—they will take those tips when they're told, "Hey, here's a tip. Uh, this email we found says this." They won't ask for the rest of the context. They'll just run with it. That's what ABC News Jonathan Carl did on some of those uh, Benghazi emails that turned out to be faked, sure. just tipped. And,
2: they they and, fall and, for and it. This is, this is what the. This is what I mean for all the sort of incompetence and haplessness of the, of the current GOP right now. One thing they're really good at is they've figured out how the media ecosystem works, and they know if they have these little faux scandals, these little fake mini-scandals, they offer them to reporters, and, and what will happen is somebody at Breitbart will take it, mm-hmm. or somebody at Daily Caller will take it, mm-hmm. and then Fox will take it. And then, all of a sudden, it's something people are talking about. And so, of course, mainstream reporters were like, well, it might be BS, but people are talking about it. So now I have to cover it, too. And so, you know, it goes on and on. And then, like, by the time it's determined, oh, look, there's nothing, there's no, there's no creamy center of this nougat. There's nothing in here that, that, you know, that won't be a big headline. There will be no main, there will be no headline saying faux scandal turns out to be, you know, BS. Oh, and people you still believe.
0: People still believe that this. You know, the the scientists were uh, uh, fixing the uh, fixing the data or whatever that was in that uh, the, yeah. the stolen that the climate a, gate. Yeah,
2: yeah, that was a very similar. I mean, it was exactly the similar thing. They were making adjustments to the data, like data scientists do all the time. It's just that if you talk about massaging or adjusting the data, and you yank that completely out of context and put a bunch of dark insinuation around it. You can make it sound bad, and that's what that's scientists. Why they want these guys yeah, scientists
0: to adjusting data. Uh, okay, I, just and I want to g- get to these other two real quick because I want to underscore it's not just this one issue. Lamar Smith is doing this all over the place. So there has been uh, political pressure of late on Exxon uh, and on uh, uh, the oil, big big oil in in general, uh, concerning. What they knew about climate change, about global warming, going back to the '70s, we had uh, Congressman Ted Lieu on uh, on uh, the broadcast a week or so ago. He's asking for a DOJ investigation. Uh, Bernie Sanders now is Hillary Clinton now is comparing uh, what uh, Big Oil did to what Big Tobacco did in obscuring their own uh, their own science about climate change. In this case, so now twenty scientists have sent a letter to Obama and to the Attorney General Loretta Lynch asking uh, for them to look at a potential RICO case against big oil. David Roberts, what happened next? Uh, What did Lamar (laughs) Smith do from there?
2: Yeah, so um, what they, uh, just to be clear, the scientists who wrote did not say the oil companies have broken the law. They did not say people who don't believe in climate science should be prosecuted, right. which is, of course, how it's being spun in the right-wing media. They just said that the, the you know, it's, it's clear now that they knew one thing and said a different thing for many years. We urge you to look into it, investigate it, basically, is what it said. Right. So anyway, so they didn't like this at all. They don't like this pressure that's building. They don't like. So what they did is one of the scientists who signed the letter runs this nonprofit um, uh, science institute called uh, the Institute of Global Environment and Society. He, he's the uh, director of this place, mm-hmm. his name is, uh, I want to I J- say it J- right, Jukla? Shukla? Shukla? <laughs> yeah,
0: Jagadish Shukla. We'll go with that. Yes.
2: You need to post a, a pronunciation guide after this <laughs> For event. this interview, I know. You're right. <laughs> anyway, he, he signed it, and so it turns out that the uh, the Institute of Global Environment and Society is taxpayer-funded, basically, a mm-hmm. non Taxpayer funded, and what happened is the letter that the scientist sent to um, to the president was inadvertently posted on the website of the Institute of Global Environment and Society mm-hmm. briefly, and then taken down. So the the, the 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 people at the institute say that it was just a mistake, an right. accident. But but that was enough to. To spark this sort of accusation that what's happening is that taxpayer dollars are being used to fund this ideological, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, quest to prosecute climate deniers, basically what? like po- politics.
0: He called it. Lamar Smith uh, said uh, that this was partisan political activity. Uh, by requesting a RICO investigation of companies and organizations that disagree with the Obama administration
2: on climate <laughs> right. change, just a just an honest disagreement. Who could who could object? You know. So a that a that distorts what the uh, oil companies are being accused of. Mm-hmm. B. Why should it be partisan? But but C. And most. You know, this is the essence of the cases. Shukla, like all the other scientists is a private citizen of the United States and thus has the right to express his political opinions and wrote and signed on to that letter. He listed his affiliation, Mm -hmm. but all those scientists are participating in this letter as private citizens. It's not like the Institute for the Global Environment and Society officially, as an organization, endorsed this letter or in any way, you know, they they have nothing to do with it. But but anyway, so
0: So are they doing the same thing? Are they trying to get his his email and his internal documents at uh, George Mason University and all of that yes, nonsense? But,
2: but but it gets even better. Not only do they want basically all email electronic documents and data that can be reasonably anticipated to be subject to a request for production by the committee. So in other words, please round up everything you think we might <laughs> someday want, you know. But not only that, but it says Exercise reasonable efforts to identify and notify current employees, former employees, contractors, and third-party groups who may have access to such electronic records that they are to be preserved. So basically, not only do we want all your internal communications from your institute's entire six-year history, but we want you to let people, let scientists know who have ever participated in this institute, who have ever been a part of it, that they might be a target, too. You know, it could not be a more clear sort of like, you know, this basically they're trying to ruin this institute. This like, What is, are you going to do if you get a letter from this institute saying, by virtue of your participation in our scientific work, you're now the subject of a congressional investigation? You the, know, the, right?
0: yeah, this is this is just it's amazing to me. And you give a third example that we won't have time to go into. I'll 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 encourage people to go check out your piece over at Vox.com. com. Uh, headline, House Science Committee is Worse Than the Benghazi Committee. But basically, they're also going after the National Science Foundation itself, this august body uh, and and uh, concerning various scientific, really dumb, not dumb, uh, but reports with, with names that they think are dumb, the titles of, of studies that they think are uh, inappropriate or something. They're now harassing them as well and sharing... Whatever concerns they have with Fox News leaking it to Fox News, that same media media ecosystem uh, yeah. thing they're they're I, trying to do.
2: The important thing there is that the National Science Foundation has a very long established practice of, mm-hmm. of assessing these grants, and it crucially involves the uh, the anonymity of the peer the peer reviewers. That's oh, yeah. like the key to the process. And now Smith is demanding that the that the National Science Foundation turn over all the names and internal communications of these anonymous reviewers. And again, like, what do you think that, what message is that going to send the scientific community? You cannot participate in or sign off on or research or even peer review controversial topics without the danger of a congressional committee coming after
0: you now they're trying to clearly as you point out david roberts you know find something that they they can take out of context and share it uh, to make it represent something other than it does and embarrass these scientists and so forth but uh but what is really going on here i mean why are they doing this in the first place is this meant to have a chilling effect on science itself and scientists and I mean, what are they getting at? What is the the ultimate point of what they're trying to do here?
2: Well, you have to start, I realize it's difficult, but you have to kind of put yourself in the headspace of a modern Tea Party Republican like Lamar Smith. Mm-hmm. So they've convinced themselves that the entire American scientific community has basically been overrun by leftists now. And so they're they're engaged in politically directed research, and they're massaging results to get politically welcome results. This is how they deal with climate change. This is the only way they know how to deal with climate change. They can't grapple with the reality, so they need some political explanation for why Democrats, you know, for why, why? science is supporting this. And that's their story, is that, is that science has essentially, the core scientific institutions of the U.S., have been corrupted by liberals. Now, if you start from that perspective, then everything they're doing makes sense. They want to expose this leftist conspiracy. They want to expose these political motivations. And if you are convinced beyond doubt that those motivations exist, then it really doesn't matter. Then you're doing God's work. Even if you're, like, digging through people's private emails and taking things out of context, even if, like, that might not be fair... You're still doing it for good reasons, right? You're so, exposing giant conspiracy. So, that's, that's how they think of themselves. I think.
0: So this attack on science overall all comes back to climate change science, which then all comes back to the, uh, the fossil fuel industries, which these guys support. So if they can discredit science and scientists overall— that will give them the ammunition they need to say, uh, ah, therefore, you can't, trust, you can't trust science and scientists, therefore, everything you're hearing about global warming is nonsense, therefore, keep burning all the fossil fuel you want, everything is fine. I mean, is that really where all of this com- I mean, emanates from?
2: I, I think it lines up well with fossil fuel company interests, but I don't think these guys view themselves as, as doing that. I think they've really convinced themselves that academia and science and media, you know, mm-hmm. and culture, really, generally, have been taken over by America-hating leftists, and they, you know, I think they're, I think they really mean it, which to me is way scarier of a story than the idea that they're just doing it as like a favor for the fossil fuel industry. Mm-hmm. The fact that they really believe it is is creepier. To and, me. I don't know. And your mileage be very.
0: Well, yeah, and they are. You know, you you say it's worse than Benghazi, and I would agree with you there. I I might also go as far as to say I think it's worse in many respects than, well, than the McCarthy investigations because at least those were in the spotlight to some extent. I mean, this is sort of going on. Nobody pays it other than uh, David Roberts, and, and Vox dot com, and nerds like me and Desi Doy in here. Nobody pays attention to the way. Uh, an a incredibly powerful House committee is going after scientists and their livelihood.
2: Yeah, and thing, when, you go after, when you go after political operators like, like Hillary Clinton, like the yeah. Benghazi committee is doing, it might be unfair, but she at least has the power and the resources and the wherewithal to defend herself. She knows it's all a big political game and she's equipped to play it. But these individual scientists, they don't know anything about politics. They don't know how to play this game. They don't have money for lawyers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so this is going to, the, the damage that this threatens to do to the open mm-hmm. practice of science in the U.S., I think, is worse than the mm-hmm. danger posed by these more sort of high-profile political committees, because you, once you damage science, once you, like, for instance, the National Science Foundation has been around for 60 years and has built up this incredible body of trust among the scientific community that its review process has integrity and is high quality, and is anonymous. And it, once you crap on that trust, it's very, very difficult to build it back up. It takes a long time. So the damage that they're doing to the practice of science in the U.S., I think, is much, is, is, is much deeper and, and, and more disturbing than whatever the ebb and flow of who's up and
0: down in, in electoral yeah. politics. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know you've talked to uh, uh, Dr. Michael E. Mann about this. He has been relentlessly attacked. Uh, we've had him on the show many times. He, you know, invented the, uh, not invented, but he made uh, popular the, the hockey, the famous hockey stick graph. He has been attacked. He has had his uh, emails, uh, you know, subpoenaed in court cases. He has been called all manner of, you know, compared to child molesters, literally, and he has had to defend himself and, uh, you know, spend all kinds of money, and he's just one scientist. Uh, I, I, you know, most of these guys cannot do that, cannot afford to do that, don't have the guts to do that, perhaps. Uh, they really yeah. don't
2: want to. They want yeah. to do science. Right. That's why they got into this. They don't want, you know, like That's Michael Mann, bless his heart, has become a political warrior by sort of by necessity, but right. most of those most of the people doing science don't want anything to do with that. They just want to putter away with their spreadsheets. You it's, know, they're not sign up. They didn't sign up for this.
0: It's it's unbelievable. Uh, it really is, and and disgusting, and appalling. And thank you for calling it out, David Roberts. I wish more in the media would. I think eventually they will, but. You know uh, how many people get uh, uh, trampled, how many good scientists get trampled in the meantime. Check out David Roberts' story over at Vox.com and all of his work over there. This one is called The House Science Committee is Worse Than the Benghazi Committee, and he makes one hell of a case. David, uh, always great talking with you, my friend. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks a lot, Brad. Have a good one.
0: You bet. You too. Okay, late as usual, so we're taking a quick break, and we will be back with more Bradcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. She did. She blinded, she blinded me with science. with science. Welcome back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from BradBlog.com. Because Desi Doyen blinded me with so much science in that last uh, segment, <laughs> we have no time for the Green News Report. I We're running know. late. I know.
1: There's just too much science to fit in all of you this. You did blind me. I'm trying to
0: blame you for it, but it's it's my fault. I ran long. So. We have
1: uh, 10 pounds of show and a one-pound bag.
0: There you go. We And, and we will uh, run uh, today's Green News Report uh, in our next thrilling episode. But that's okay because we've got a minute or so here with uh, some breaking news that you have.
1: Yes. The New York Attorney General has begun what the New York Times reports is a, quote, sweeping investigation into ExxonMobil. Mobil. To determine whether the company lied to the public about the risks of climate change, or more importantly, I think, to investors about how those risks could hurt the oil business. And this is according to people with knowledge of the investigation. It's Attorney General Eric Schneiderman of New York. He issued a subpoena Wednesday evening to ExxonMobil. He's demanding extensive financial records, emails, and other documents. And the focus uh, is, there's this thing called the Martin Act in uh, New York, and that is what allows the attorney general to have broad powers to investigate financial crimes. Bum, So, bum, bum. so yeah. this is
0: what we've been talking about, ExxonMobil having uh, investigated and learned about climate change, global warming back in the 70s, as we now know, thanks to Inside Climate Science uh, for their uh, report right. uh, that we talked about on this show many times. Uh, Los Angeles Times did an independent report, and they both find that Exxon knew back in the 70s and 80s about climate change and then went about spending millions of dollars to obscure their own science just the way big tobacco did when it came to the dangers of their product. And now, with Eric Schneiderman on this in New York and all of these people calling for an investigation, we had Congressman Ted Lieu on the show. Uh, He had uh, written to the Attorney General's office. So now we got a state AG looking at it from a financial angle, because why? This actually affects investors if yes. the company knew
1: if the company knows of of external circumstances that will affect the profits that go to shareholders then shareholders are supposed to be informed of that by law
0: Exxon is in big big trouble Exxon Mobil, I think is in big big trouble whether it's this uh, the AG in in New York now Eric Schneiderman and the what is it a, 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 a subpoena for documents
1: yes a subpoena for documents
0: Or the uh, AG, the Department of Justice. Um, Well, we'll see. Well, actually, they should be in big, big trouble. But given our system of justice in this country, that remains to be seen, uh, especially when you're dealing with the most powerful industry, the most powerful company in the most powerful industry on the planet ever in human civilization uh we'll we'll see if if they can take them down but uh, very interesting development thank you for that we'll make up for it in our next uh show with uh, today's green news report until then desi doyan my thanks to you our producer uh and to cynthia cohn our booking goddess and to my guest today david roberts of vox.com and of course to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. Greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can always download it at bradblog.com or over at iTunes, where we hope you'll put in a good word for us make it easier for everyone else to find us as well. Find us and follow us on the Facebooks at the Brad Blog, Facebooks or Twitters at the TheBradBlog. Drop us email, bradcast at bradblog.com. All right, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.